Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with Rob Haggard. Rob is a former photo editor at Outside Magazine, Men's Journal, and the founder of the popular photo industry blog of photoeditor.com that reports on various topics within the commercial, editorial, and fine art photography industry. Currently, Rob is the CEO and founder of Photofolio, a company that builds portfolio websites for photographers. Rob has a wealth of knowledge and experience working in the photo industry, so I was excited to hear more about his experiences. So I hope you enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. Uh, Rob Haggard, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to do this, dude. Oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, definitely excited. I've been following your uh, website and been using a photo folio for years. So I'm definitely excited to kind of hear a little bit more about your backstory and how you kind of got into all of it. Um, but I guess to kind of start off, I was kind of curious, like where you grew up and what were you kind of interested in growing up? Was it photography or what was kind of your early days? Yeah, so I grew up in Idaho Wow. and uh, maybe I'm the first guest you've had from idaho andy anderson well i don't think he's all right (laughs) he's technically well he was from florida but he lives in idaho right right that's a good connection um so yeah i grew up in idaho and i was interested in outdoor sports so i was into skiing and biking um and i got into climbing and um so yeah that was my passion growing up in idaho that's cool. What did you, did you end up getting in photography or like, did you ever shoot photos yourself or when did photography come in the mix for you? Yeah, I never, I never took pictures. Um, and I still don't. Mm. Um, I mean, you know, I take pictures with my, I have some cameras and, uh, I use my cell phone like most people. Yeah. Uh, and I have kids, so I have a million pictures of my kids <laughs> like yep. most people. Yep. 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 Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, I got I got into it through the magazines. I was really into those sports, and so you know, I got the the magazines like everybody does, and cut out the pictures out of the magazines and taped them up on my wall, and um, you know, just developed a real passion for outdoor sports photography. Um, uh, I don't know that I made the connection um, as most people probably don't. You know, between who who were the photographers behind those pictures, but I had pictures taped up all over my walls and i just uh i loved great photography and i loved um outdoor sports and um so that's how i kind of developed a passion for it that's cool what magazines were you looking at back then was this kind of this outdoor magazines pretty much yeah you know um and of course powder magazine was a big influence Mm -hmm. um there was a cycling magazine i think it was called winning yep uh do you remember that no it sounds familiar though oh yeah I had great, you know, it was very picture driven, had great photography. Um, of course there was bicycling. Um, and then oddly enough, and probably because I grew up in Idaho, I was way into surfing magazines. I wasn't a surfer. (laughs) Um, I was way into skateboarding, but I wasn't a skateboarder. I was into, you know, those sports. I mean, the photography, uh, the surf photography is just beautiful fantastic and it was sort of out of this world i guess for me living in a landlocked state um and and sort of the same with skateboarding you know that was a california culture and growing up in idaho i sort of just it really appealed to me in that way Mm, yeah definitely and i guess like like you said you never really took photos yourself i guess when you're kind of grown up once you get out of high school what did you think you're gonna do as a career did you end up going to college or what was kind of the next step for you i guess yeah, so I wanted to I wanted to be an athlete. I wanted to be a professional athlete. I wanted to be a skier, mm. um, a climber. Uh, those were two passions of mine. Um, and so, out of uh, sorry, did you say out of high school or college? <laughs> no, just like yeah, when you're growing up, once you got out of high school, did you have like a, a did you think what were you gonna do? Because I know you say you didn't shoot photos. Did you end up going yeah. to college to study in your thing? What what did you kind of do once you get out of high school? I guess. Yeah, so I I went to college in my hometown, Moscow, Idaho, University of Idaho, mm. and uh, I studied. I actually studied engineering mm. um, in college, and I, I guess I thought you know that was a good way to fund my passion for sports. <laughs> hey, smart. You're smart, man. You're a good businessman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, uh, but uh, you know, I just didn't have the passion for that subject, and so. 
Um, I graduated from college and I moved to Jackson Hole, Wyoming and um, pursued my passion for skiing and climbing. Um, And so, you know, I got to Jackson and and, uh, immediately uh, I had to find the photographers who who were shooting the pictures in Jackson. You know, there was Powder Magazine recently had a, a big uh, issue devoted to Jackson Hole, and and you know there were a couple of photographers who took most of the pictures in there, and so I looked those guys up, and I, I just started you know pursuing them and and seeing if I could ski for them mm. as an athlete, um, and so I think my first encounter with that side of the business was you know jumping off a cliff in Jackson Hole and having my picture taken by a professional photographer, and that that was an unbelievable thrill for me. That's really cool. So you ended up getting your, your own picture published in the magazine, a picture of you skiing pretty much. Well, it wasn't published in a magazine, but, um, they, they took the picture and the, and I went by their office and after the, you know, slide film was developed, I was able to look at it on the light table and that was just, it was magical, you know? And these were guys, um, Wade McCoy and Bob Woodall. These were, these were the guys. They were in any picture of Jackson Hole in Powder Magazine or Ski or Skiing or any of those publications was shot by these guys. So, wow. um, you know, for me, that was – I was touching greatness right there. Um, the guys who shot, you know, some of the greatest, most iconic ski images, uh, for me, I was suddenly uh, – they made a picture of me. And, and to see – that whole process and how it worked was sort of a, a, a revelation for me. And really what had me decide to um, pursue, you know, photography, um, the photography business. Interesting. that So this kind of seeing how those guys work kind of sparked something in you to kind of follow photography a little bit more. Um, what did you end up doing from there? Because I know uh, you ended up getting into photo editing, but I guess what was kind of your first step into the photography business, I guess? Yeah, so I weaseled my way into uh, managing their office, you know. Um, I, you know, it seems quickly now, but probably took me a a while to realize that I wasn't going to be a professional athlete. Um, I just didn't have the talent, you know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And uh, it was moving so fast, the the skills, the skill level. And, um, you know, Mm. I realized that, that just wasn't going to work out for me. And so I got a job working in their office sort of as a, uh, you know, an office assistant and um, sort of moved up to what would, what would be called now a, you know, studio manager, pretty much managed all parts of their business and, and really uh, got to understand the photography business through them. Um, You know, ended up, doing all the submissions for magazines, you know, going through all the slide film and finding the best shots and making submissions to all the magazines every year. And as luck would have it, these guys also published a couple of magazines out of their office. They did uh, this, this magazine called the Jackson Hole Skier and uh, they had a summer guide and they had a dining guide. And so they had their own little publishing business there. And I got a little taste of that side as well. Um, as far as like, how's a magazine made? And, um, you know, at that point they're all made on computers. So that was pretty nice. I missed that whole era yeah. with the cutting, <laughs> cutting things out and pasting them. I heard all about it. But yeah, yeah. I didn't want anything to do with that. Um, they were all made on computer then. And, mm. and so I got a little taste of that as well, but really, um, just working with them, uh, even like producing the shoots. I mean, I was just full on managing their office. Um, cause like, what did they, cause like I came, I kind of started out shooting skateboarding for like, like Thrasher and different skate magazines and oh nice. how that worked was like, basically most skate photographers, even now it's just like, they're kind of their own business and they basically just try to like build these relationships with skateboarders, shoot stuff, basically submit it to magazines. Um, how did these guys, Wade and Bob, like how is their business structured? Was it basically they're trying to shoot the best skiers in the area and then submit them to magazines? Or what was kind of their business model when you were working for them? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was most of the business was um, you just go out on a photo shoot every day and you try and work with the best athletes. And, and as you know, well, maybe not so much with skateboarding with, with skiing, mm-hmm. uh, you're really relying on the conditions. So, mm-hmm. 
you're gonna it was basically like shooting stock you know and you would submit the images at the end of the year but you were out there all season in the best conditions with the best athletes trying to get you know your your shots for the year and then they would be submitted and that was sort of their business when I came on and, um, you know, they did some assignments as well. You know, if powder magazine was doing a Jackson hole story. They would have them, you know, they would hire them to do more stuff. And, um, a lot of the manufacturers would, uh, send us equipment to shoot and we would submit that at the end of the year. And I sort of just, um, worked really hard to enhance all parts of that business. So, you know, I would, uh, uh, really pursue assignments, uh, magazine assignments, uh, really, uh, you know, if there was any sponsored athletes, we would try and convince the manufacturers to, you know, like K2 skis, we would, we would try and convince them to hire us for a few days or put us on retainer. There was a lot of retainers where they could, uh, pay us to work with their athlete athlete throughout the year and then we would spit a number of photos and they would have the ability to use some of those photos um at the end of the year um so they would at least have something um in the can they wouldn't have to pay uh you know with a retainer they could pay less than you know trying to buy the photo after the season was over that kind of thing so yeah um it was just a full-on learning experience you know and how the photography business worked and um dealing with magazines, you know, just submitting photos and getting these requests from magazines. And back then it was, it was the fax machine, right? Um, (laughs) it was (laughs) like these magazines would just, just fax you nonstop and they'd have their FedEx number on there and you'd make a submission. And, um, I got, I I was in charge of making a lot of submissions, you know, and run them by the photographers as well. But, uh, eventually I got good enough. Um, and I feel like that really helped develop my eye, uh, for photography is just going through, you know, thousands and thousands of, uh, mediocre shots or, and finding great shots and, um, really just, and then submitting things to magazines and having things rejected and things published and sort of getting a feel for, uh, how that all worked. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. Cause I remember when I first started, I was submitting stuff to skate magazines and this was when I was shooting slide film. And it's pretty funny to think now you, you, I would just mail out a bunch of my best slides and uh, photo editors would actually mail them back eventually. It might be like six months later, but like honestly, most of the time you'd get it back. It's just funny to think no one would send that stuff out nowadays, you know? Uh, yeah, and that was, um, geez, I'm trying to think. I mean, my whole career in working in the photo biz was with slides and film. I mean, really, at the very end, it was digital. Um but uh yeah i dealt with slides and film yeah. um, most of my career That's... as a photo editor and working with photographers yeah and i guess like how long did you end up assisting uh, uh those ski photographers and i guess what was kind of your next step once you left working for them yeah i eventually started my own business um in jackson uh where you know i still worked with them but i would i took on other photographers um and I worked with filmmakers as well, and I was putting together expeditions and and just, you know, trying to make a living in a ski town, you know, you, you do as many jobs as you can. Uh, and so eventually that... So, yeah, you're, go ahead. so you're almost like a rep for these photographers in a sense? Like, uh, yeah, you know, um, a photographer would, you know, I, I would act as a producer, uh, um, I would... Uh, I would act as an agent. That was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I would negotiate because um, I'd just done it so many times. I knew all the people, all the key people at all the manufacturers, you know, like the ski companies or outdoor clothing, the North Face, yeah. Patagonia, whoever. Um, and I'd done enough deals that I knew um, I could negotiate mm-hmm. uh, and get better deals, or at least I knew, you know, what what was fair. Um, so I'd help people with that. I mean, just kind of anything. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, any photographer who, who needed help or needed a submission, um, done or, you know, I would, I would do anything really. I mean, it's really interesting. (laughs) And I mean, I know you run your own business now and you, you were, you were a photo editor at some other magazines for a while, but was was like running your own business, like kind of always your dream that you always kind of envision yourself kind of working for yourself pretty much. It never was a dream, but I guess I fell into it and I, 
I had enough people around me who who had their own business to encourage me to do it and to sort of provide me examples mm-hmm. of of it. And I mean, in the end, I was still a ski bum. Like I wanted to go. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to go. It was a powder day. I wanted to go skiing. And so there's no other way to do it unless you have your own business. So it sort of fit my lifestyle as well. I, I still, I mean, I don't want to live in Jackson Hole and pay the the prices you got to pay for rent if you can't go out there and get some good powder skiing in as well so um no i think i think it's amazing because you live in what is it durango colorado yeah i think yeah. It's, i think it's awesome that you're like this fixture in like the photo world yet you <laughs> you live in like durango colorado whereas most people think you need to live in like new york or la um, oh yeah did yeah you, did you oh, ever really. did you ever feel that pressure to like live in one of those big cities at all yeah, I lived in New York. Okay, how long did you live there for? I was there. I was there for two years. Okay, so, so it was quick in and out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I kind of snuck out, you know. Uh, I did my time, yeah. um, and I did feel like I needed to be in New York mm. for a couple of years, and it was it was huge for my career. I mean, so you know, I I I was doing this sort of hustle, I guess, in Jackson Hole, and I ended up working on a couple magazines just because I, you know, I. I'd just done so much with different photographers and, and I ended up as a photo editor on a couple of startup magazines. Mm. Um, and you know, one day I got the call from outside magazine. They said, Hey, we're looking for a photo editor. We saw it, you know, you listed on the masthead of a couple magazines. Uh, we like the work that you did in there. Wow. They just called you out of the blue. Like it wasn't, that's amazing. Yeah. And they were doing a nationwide search, um, and uh, I had no idea they were looking for a photo editor. And um, yeah, I went I went down there and interviewed, and I had a really great interview. And of course, I feel like you know this resume I had with just so much hustle on there, so many different things. Yeah that I'd produced working, you know, I worked for on catalogs, you know, producing shoots and I worked on editorial jobs and, um, I was all over the place, but I think it sort of added up to them feeling like I was the right person for the job. And they, they hired me and moved me to Santa Fe, wow, That's Mexico, a, yeah. which was never on my list of places to live. <laughs> yeah, not, <laughs> but, not, not a lot of snow there. Or does it snow there in the winter? Not enough yeah, to ski they, or anything, but... There's some skiing. They have Taos. is pretty okay. close. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it was, you know, it was time to give up the ski bum mm-hmm. uh, dreams and, and, and try and pursue a career. Yeah. And uh, you can't really turn down an opportunity to be the photo editor of Outside Magazine, really. When I... I, you know, I was working for powder and, and bike and all these, all these outdoor magazines and outside was the one, you know, they had the, they had the massive circulation, Mm. um, you know, five or 10 times some of these smaller magazines that, that we were doing work with. And, and funny enough, you know, when I was working for the photographers, uh, you know, I was desperate to get photos in outside magazine because they paid the most (laughs) and, you know, the photo editor wouldn't return my calls. So I fixed that quickly yeah. by um, taking the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's really exciting. And like, you know, one thing I was curious to asking you is like, being a photo editor, um, what do you think makes a good photo editor? Like, what does a photo editor bring to a job when they're kind of collaborating w- with a photographer? You think? Yeah, I think um, that's it. That's a really good question because I think there are different styles of photo editing. Mm-hmm. Um, there is the photo editor that likes to actually physically edit photos, yeah. Um, which I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's the photo editor that likes to, you know, um, have the photographer edit the photos and submit their best images. And really, I think the best photo editing is about empowering photographers to do their best work. Mm-hmm. So a great photo editor is someone who will... Uh, get out of the way, but um, is a great producer. Will put together all the pieces of a shoot that that allows them to do their best work. Mm. Um, and of course, uh, I think a big part of photo editing is combining uh, subject and photographer. So, um, you know, finding a photographer and a subject that match up perfectly so that they can make amazing work. 
they can make pictures that haven't been seen before that are um, truly original. Um, and a lot of it is business. Um, so I guess. It's like man- you know, managing the budget, the photo budget yeah. and whatnot and trying to find man- photographers that will work for each job. Yeah, a lot of it is really just um, the business side, uh, managing a budget, uh, managing a team, mm-hmm. uh, photo editors, and um, working with editors and creative directors and sort of championing photography. So, um, you know, giving voice to photography within the magazine, uh, being a leader from that from that department. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, just, you know, dealing with invoices and, um, dealing with photos. So, you know, all these slide submissions, uh, from photographers, it was crazy. When I got to outside magazine, it was insane how much film, uh, the liability, it was, it was millions (laughs) of dollars, uh, of liability that they had. And, um, funny enough, one of my first goals there was to sort of reduce that liability to not call in so much photography. Um, uh, they they called in insane amounts of photography there uh, when I got there, and and it like was just such a yeah send, such a huge people sending their port- portfolios and stuff pretty much. Yeah, there was still um, uh, yeah tons of portfolios coming in. I mean, just sort of managing that those aspects of it. Mm. Uh, uh, you got it. Yeah, you're you're liable for millions of dollars worth of people's work. Yeah, um, it's a lot. And, and like looking back at your time there, like, is there any shoots that kind of stick out in your mind as particularly memorable? Maybe like ones that you're kind of proud of when you look back at all the work you did outside, you think? Um, you know, it was interesting. Uh, uh, after my first year at outside, we, they hired this creative director who came from Esquire magazine mm-hmm. and that was really, uh, Hannah Makahi. She's still there. Wow. And, um, that was really life changing for me because she, had this mandate to hire the best photographers in the country, like bar none. Mm -hmm. And so we set off on this sort of voyage to pursue some of these really just top, top name photographers at the time. And a lot of them weren't either didn't know about outside magazine or weren't interested. You know, this was, uh, this was back in the heyday of magazine photography, right? So there were a lot of jobs coming in and you had to, you had to try and convince them to shoot for you. So to me, it was like landing big fish, you know, when we got Martin Scholler to shoot for the first time for the magazine, um, Dan Winters to shoot, uh, for the first time for the magazine. Um, um, yeah, I'm I'm blanking on yeah, a lot those, of names. Those are some heavy, <laughs> yeah, heavy hitters, man. Um, the, what do you think you kind of took away from your time there? What do you, What do you think you learned most about this being a photo editor at such like a big publication and working with like some of the biggest photographers in the game and still the biggest photographers around? You know. Yeah, I mean, once we started working with some of these next level photographers, is really, of course, eye opening to me. Is is how hard they worked. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're literally you're the top photographers in the country are some of the hardest working people out there. Mm. They really, they work so hard to make sure everything's perfect. Um, going into the shoot, they work really hard at the shoot, um, to get as many options or to try as many things to get the best photo. Um, and they work really hard after the shoot, editing the film down to, to the best images. And back then, you know, we're dealing with proofs and I mean, you know, contact sheets and, and prints, final prints and working on those prints. So, you know, they were tireless and I never, I never worked with anybody who worked so hard and, you know, it's obvious that that would be the case with these people, but, um, it's not only the talent that they have, but, uh, the work ethic that they brought, um, really impressed me and was, um, Mm. Um, yeah, 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 so. yeah, yeah. They really just kind of bring their creative, uh, touch to every job pretty much. And, yeah. And, uh, and then I think you, you ended up going on to work at men's journal in New York, I believe. Um, h- how different was it working at outside versus men's journal? Do you find that each magazine that you kind of worked with has a different workflow? Um, how does it kind of differ working there? I guess. Yeah. Men's journal was amazing. 
Um, well, I was in New York, so I had to do my time yeah. in New York. Um, that's the you know mecca for photography. It's the center of the universe there, yeah. and uh, so it's just amazing. There's always something going on, and there's so many photographers there. You can you can meet with them in your office. Um, they can bring their portfolio by, and you can sit there and talk to them and look at through their portfolio. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's, of course, there's you know museums and galleries, and there, uh, there's so much going on with photography in New York. Um, I had bigger budgets when I was there. I had a bigger team at one point. I think there was ten of us in the photo department. Wow. Um, yeah, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, uh, we had a you know dedicated fashion director that I worked with directly. Um, yeah, I think just having a lot of resources. Uh, Men's Journal was sandwiched in between uh, Rolling Stone and Us Weekly, so uh, not only was I working with the Men's Journal team, we had access to people at Rolling Stone and Us Weekly and. Um, I got to know the photo directors at both of those magazines. And so that was a very unique opportunity. Um, mm. So, yeah, you know, being in the big city in the center of the photo world was pretty awesome. No, that's exciting. And, you know, I'm sure you've been asked this question a million times, but for like photographers listening, um, like what advice would you give to them when, because obviously everyone wants to shoot for Men's Journal and Outside Magazine. Um, but how do you kind of get your foot in the door? What advice would you kind of give to those photographers that are trying to get there, like first assignment or whatnot, you know? Um, you know, it's just a lot of persistence, mm-hmm. really. Um, you, and I, and I, you know, I talk to a lot of photographers still, and it's been a while since I've been at Men's Journal and outside, and I, I don't know specifically how their process is now, mm-hmm. but it really is about persistence. Um, you, you know, I talk to a lot of people who are creating promo pieces, and they want to create this one big, you know, massive promo piece that's going to impress everyone, and I'm like, maybe you should take that money and spread it out over three years because that's really more important than the one big promo piece that you're probably not going to hear from anybody about. It's really, um, what can you do over the next three years over the next five years to consistently, you know, let them know you're out there and what kind of work you're doing. Um, you definitely have to have a unique voice, a unique point of view, um, and uh, you just have to be persistent as far as um, showing them your work and appearing in publications that might be looking at and the different photo contests and different things that they might be checking out. Um, and, and they consistently see you. Um, you're going to have opportunities to um, speak with them and, um, you know, shoot for them. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Uh, I would agree. This kind of keep yeah keeping your name out there and uh then i think i could be wrong but i think when you're at men's journal is that when you created your uh famous photo blog a photo editor is that when that kind of came about yeah it started at men's journal um i was sort of my you know my family was ready to leave new york after a couple years and i knew i was gonna have to leave i wasn't done there by any means because there's just that's where as a photo editor, that's where you're going to find as many jobs as you want. I mean, that's really where it's all happening. So I just knew that I needed to, if I was going to move away from New York, I needed to. Yep. Hello? Is that you? Yeah, yeah sorry, I deleted it. Um, yes. no, I... Yeah, but you're in New York and you thought you had to move away. and. Uh... Yeah, I knew that if I was going to move away from New York and I still wanted to photo edit, I was going to need to add something to my resume. And at the time, blogs were just really taking off. They were, they were really hot. And, um, there wasn't much, there was a lot of photographers who had blogs. It wasn't really any photo editors who were doing it. And I just thought, you know, I need to, I need to do this so that when I do leave New York, I'll have a chance of, um, you know, photo editing for other publications because this blog will, you know, give me some visibility and maybe, you know, 
give me some skills that other photo editors don't have. And you're still like a part of the community. Cause I think uh, maybe you disagree or agree a big part of like working this business is really in my mind is this, the relationships and really being a part of the photo community. Cause it's really small in the grand scheme of things. Is that kind of, it's almost part of like your blog. It's like, you're still, you're like a center of like the photo community now still pretty much. Yeah, it was, it was really shocking to me. Well, first of all, it was shocking to me that nobody else started blogging that yeah. there aren't more <laughs> photo editor blogs that I, I seem to have been the only one I thought well everybody's going to do this and of course blogs mm-hmm. sort of had their heyday and have have disappeared for the most part um, and so I was shocked at how how connected it, it it I was able to be because I was you know writing about photography and I could be anywhere in the world and mm-hmm. uh, you know like you're saying, people would people assumed I was in New York. They had no idea where I was, and uh, I would get these emails like, "Hey, I'd love to go out to lunch and talk to you." And yeah, that, that'd be cool. But I'm <laughs> <Maybe>. in Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, because like I, I started reading it early on. I forget like what what was kind of some of the first stuff you were writing about it. Because originally you were the one writing on it. Now it's like you have a lot of other people that kind of contribute and whatnot. But what were kind of the, some of the first things that you remember like writing about on the blog? I, um, well, early on, I just started writing about, you know, I just thought it was going to be the most boring stuff (laughs) ever, but I just wrote about what happened every day, Mm -hmm. whether a a photographer came in and showed me his portfolio, um, or I had a meeting with the CFO and he chewed me out Mm -hmm. for spending too much money or a photo shoot, you know, just the nuts and bolts of my daily life. And I learned early on to just be open and, you know, really just this talk about what's going on in your life. And it was really appealing to people. To me, it wasn't that exciting, but for people, for most photographers, they didn't really know what photo editors did. They didn't know what, what went on in the day for a photo editor. They didn't know how the stories got assigned, how, the photographers got attached to a story, how the pitches were. I mean, there's just so much you could go on for. Yeah. It's like, as a photographer, (laughs) it's like any, any little info you can get to like, get a better understanding. I think that's why, at least for me, that's why I always kind of enjoyed it. You, you did like cool interviews with amazing photographers and it it was really interesting. And I think for the beginning you were, you did it anonymously uh, for, for like the first few years, correct? Yeah. So I was anonymous. I was afraid. Um, that I would get fired. I mean, back then, mm-hmm. Gawker was a big, huge blog yep. thing, and they were always trying to dig dirt on Jan Wenner, mm-hmm. my boss. Yep. <laughs> so I just felt like if he found out I was blogging from within the building, he would fire me or worse, you know, yep. um, face some kind of lawsuit or something. So smart move. Uh, but I can't, yeah, so I did it anonymously, and I didn't realize that that would actually blow it up even further because that really got people interested they thought i was dishing dirt but <laughs> the truth was it was it was an open secret right yeah. so a photographer would come into my office and show me his portfolio and then i would like i would write about it so he knew who i was because he was just there and yeah, then yeah. next thing he knows it's on the blog and so and then of course you could tell as many people as you wanted so it was it was in many ways it was an open secret um i was just trying to keep it away from the bosses at uh, men's journal mm-hmm. no, it's so smart. that it's yeah, I wouldn't get in trouble. And then, um, yeah, I just wanted to be able to speak freely about, I mean, I, 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 I said some, um, pretty interesting things about some of the people I worked with and <laughs> certainly the CFO of the company. And, uh, you know, yeah. I, I had the, all the complaints that most photo editors have and I was airing them publicly. So no, it's smart. Uh, it's smart, man. And I think when did it kind of start to expand? Because now it's like you got uh, Jonathan and Suzanne and I think Heidi, they kind of all kind of contribute. Um, when did you kind of start uh, bringing those people on? What was kind of your goal, I guess? Yeah. I mean, eventually I burned out pretty hard on, you know, blogging had its heyday um, and then the comments would just get out of control. Yeah. And I'm sure you remember those. Yeah. Those Cause times. you, you ended up getting rid of the comments section, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's nobody comments anymore. Yeah. I don't think 
many people do mm-hmm. in many places. But um, there was just this era of blogging when the comments were the wild west. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you wrote about something controversial, um, you know, hundreds and hundreds of comments and really nasty ones and crazy ones and really good ones too. I mean, the comment section was really pretty fun because – it was, like, it, was like, it was like a message board. I remember there'd be like conversations yeah. and you would kind of go back and forth and it was, it would be like people that were like, you know, big, big names in the business. And it was kind of interesting to see the conversations between people. But yeah, there was a lot of garbage on there. It would, that, that was the most interesting part was there were some really big photographers who read the blog mm-hmm. and they would comment. They were, they were happy to chime in with their opinions and, and, you could find some of the best information in the comment section if you could wade through some of the other garbage and yeah. um yeah. and so it was it was a lot of work you know writing as much as i did and i did some really big interviews and uh yeah i just started to burn out really and lost my passion for it and um i wanted to keep it alive um i had a hard time you know quitting I thought about quitting for sure. And I just started bringing writers on to, and just sort of mellowed it out a little bit. And we concentrated on some specific areas and um, uh, hired some writers and had some who just wanted to write um, because they had, you know, business in the photo industry. And so, uh, yeah, um, that's where it's at now. It's sort of just, um, we got some writers and specific columns that we do and, um, and it, yeah, it's still alive. Yeah. Uh, no, it's great. I still read it all the time. And then, um, I think when did, I know you run your, your company, your main job now, I, I would imagine is a uh, photo folio. Yeah. When did that come in the mix? Like, like, did you have any knowledge of like website design or software engineering? Like when did this idea come in your mind to start this company uh, building websites? Yeah, I. So when I left uh, Men's Journal, I knew I needed uh, um, my next move, and I had sort of put it out there on my blog that I was looking to do some software. I was really interested in, um, you know, creating some tools, some ways for photographers to be able to communicate better with photo editors. I just felt like the system was broken uh, as far as like these source books that would show up. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen those, but back in the day, they were massive doorstops. Oh, yeah, like uh, workbook and archive yeah, and all that. Yeah, yeah, it was so huge. It was just, it was so unwieldy, you know. You just, you, it was really hard to use. And and I know the photographers were spending thousands and thousands on these ads. Yep. And uh, the promos, you know, I would get, a big mail bin full of promos every day and I just felt like and the emails and the phone calls I just felt like it was it was not efficient and I could figure out a better way for photographers to communicate with photo editors and potential clients and stuff and just make it easier for everyone and cheaper of course mm-hmm. and uh, so I sort of put the call out looking for some software developers and I ran into a couple yeah. and they said hey you know, we have a, we actually have a website business. Would you be interested? We could, we could look at this software idea you have, but you interested in, you know, expanding. They worked with wedding photographers and they wanted to get into editorial and advertising. And, yeah. And, um, so I hooked up with these guys and we started a company and really, um, as it turns out, uh, my experience, uh, looking at thousands and thousands of websites and, and sort of knowing what kinds of things worked and what didn't and knowing what features needed to be developed, um, you know, turned into a great business for me. No, it's amazing. I, I think I, I signed up probably in the first couple of months you guys uh, started it and I, I've been using it since. Um, wow. Was that like a, was that like a hard transition for you to go from like having like a, like a normal nine to five job and then you're jumping into this business where you don't know if it's going to work? Was that kind of a, a stressful transition or was it exciting for you? Do you remember when you first started it? Yeah. I mean, it was, it was stressful. It was exciting because, um, I was really determined to to try and figure something out that where I didn't have to live in New York. So it was an opportunity to create a career as it turns out where I could live anywhere, but I didn't, you know, at the time I didn't know how it was going to 
how the how the company was going to be structured. But um, I, you know, I was willing to work whatever hours were needed because I had I basically had I Men's Journal was an incredible job. I had a great paycheck. Yeah. I lived in New York, worked in New York, um, and I just quit. So yeah. you know, I was desperate, mm. and so uh, I was willing to work as hard as it hard as I could to um, make it happen as it turned out it worked out good you know and and the blog really played a huge role in that because um, when I started the software company people actually knew who I was yeah uh, um, they they could trust me they they knew that I had their best interests in mind and it wasn't just some random software developer mm. it was actually a person who had a voice in the community um, and I I was just shocked. I mean, the day we launched, we had people buying sites. I, that was <laughs> yeah. that was really unexpected. And you, there you go. I mean, you you signed up early on. Yeah, because um, it's it's just really easy to use. And the thing, you guys are like, it's really cool. You guys are like constantly like updating the technology and offering uh, new like solutions, like whatever software you're kind of providing. Um, what's kind of your role in the company these days, like with Photofolio? Like what what do you kind of do on a day-to-day basis with the Photofolio? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm the sales and marketing team. Mm-hmm. It's me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My partner's is a developer. I mean, it's generally how most software companies are built now. There's two principles. Yep. And... Um, Really, I think our advantage was coming from the client side, you know, me being a photo editor, uh, I was able to see what features and what kinds of things are client friendly. Um, you know, it's funny, at the time we created the company, a lot of software is developed by, you know, programmers. Yep. So it did what programmers wanted it to do. And uh, things, it did a lot of uh fancy programming things but wasn't very efficient as far as what the client wanted it to do you know so things would bounce around the screen and fly and um, open up and you know there's just a lot of thing a lot of movement and stuff happening and i came from the you know the client side and really made something that was very pared down and and worked really well and looked really great but didn't have a lot of frilly things happening to it yeah Um, so really like I work with my partner daily. Um, you know, I was just on a call with him and, and we're talking about this feature that we're working on and he's got these ideas and, and I'm sort of coming back from either the photographer's side or the client side saying, well, it needs to behave this way because this is what people are going to expect. And, Mm. um, so he comes at it from a programming side and I come at it from, you know, what, and I, you know, I'm always talking to the photographers using our software anyway, so I, I have a pretty good idea on what they. Yeah, so the fe- the feedback from the customers using your product that's important for what you guys are developing. Yeah, I mean that's everything. I think um, the majority of the product is based on photographer feedback. Um, as far as like we need it to do this it should behave this way we would love to have this feature and we build it and so um i'm involved in i'm always monitoring the support tickets that come in and and people just email me directly i mean they know me yeah uh they just say hey man i i I want this or it i'm having a problem with this they can just email me they can call me my phone number is on the website so (laughs) yeah uh i'm talking yeah. I, I, you know, I get a couple of emails a day from photographers and, um, they tell me what they like and they're not afraid to say what's not working for them. And we modify the product in that way. Um, of course, you know, I'm also thinking of what the client wants to experience. So I'm always thinking of, um, what the photo editors want, yep. um, from the very beginning, you know, music was not allowed. It still isn't allowed. Yeah, uh, I've been asked a hundred times to add music player. Not anymore. I mean, that used to be a big thing. Yeah. Um, to the websites, and it's just it, that's don't their do, companies. Don't don't, yeah. don't do it, man. Don't do it. Yeah. No, I, I have no plans for it. And you know what? There's companies. There's companies out there who do that. Um, we, from the beginning, we've wanted to be a very small company who caters to a specific group of photographers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
high-end uh, editorial and commercial yeah. fine art photographers. That's that's been the goal, and um, and so and it's great because there are there's lots of software out there. If you want a cheap website, there's there's cheap, there's yep. free. Yep. Um, if you want it to do certain things that we don't have, somebody else definitely has it. So um, uh, it's a great time to be in software. Yeah. Uh, and I really, I really love the fact that I still get to work with photographers. I look at uh, hundreds of great pictures every day. Um, I get so distracted uh, when somebody launches a website and it, and I'm just sitting there looking at you know hundreds of photos on their site, <laughs> just thumbing through everything. Um, but it's really exciting for me because I get to help them um, reach you know photo editors and art directors. So. No, I love yeah. it. I love it, man. It's good stuff. And uh, I, I put out the questions to people. I told them I was interviewing you today. And the number one question I got from people was, because uh, I know on your Instagram, the a photo editor uh, Instagram page, you basically just post all the promos you get sent. People ask yeah. me, how many promos do you get a week? <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, it ebbs and flows. Yeah. Um, I think I'm looking at like, probably seven a day. Wow. Yeah. Um, I can't tell. I'm kind of in, it's slowed down a little bit. Maybe, I'm, maybe I'm down to maybe like three or four a day right now. Yeah. And I can't tell if it's seasonal or maybe people are tired of sending me their promos. <laughs> um, yeah. it's not, it's definitely not as much as I used to get at the magazine. Um, and maybe people are a little gun shy, whereas, mm. Because they know it's going to show up on Instagram, and I have—I mean, I have a lot of followers now. I think it's yeah, thirty, th yeah, thirty or forty or something like that. A uh, thousand, yeah, thirty, forty thousand. So potentially, um, everybody follow. Everybody follow. I see because you can see like all the editors follow it, big photographers yeah. follow it. So it is a lot of you got to bring your A game, and it, it, it it's really interesting, at least for me, because it's like. Uh, like making a promo each time is like hard because you don't know what to do. So it's really interesting that you kind of put it out there and people can kind of get ideas and see what other people are doing, you know? Yeah. I mean, this kind of stuff has brought me the most attention and success in my career, like publishing things that people hadn't seen before that you weren't supposed to publish. I mean, I remember the first time I put a, I put somebody's, um, bid yep. online i mean people went nuts <laughs> uh, on both sides wow that's too much money wow that's not enough money are you crazy you know just it was it was total uh, mayhem <laughs> and uh same the first time i put a portfolio online i caught you know i called this photographer and said hey man i just want to i don't i've never seen a portfolio posted online can you send me your book it was a um, Chris McPherson, he was, oh, yeah. he was top, top photographer and I, I got his book and I photographed every page and I posted it and mm. people flipped out. <laughs> um, a lot of the comments were like, did he give you permission? You know, it's <laughs> the, the trade secret. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. and so the same, you know, the same goes with, uh, the promos. It just wasn't, and it's funny, you know, back to, it just seems so normal to me because I've seen a million promos mm -hmm. um, and I've done talks where I just walked up on stage and, and with a box of promos and just dumped them on the table. And of course, after it was over, everybody's down there like thumbing through them like, <laughs> oh my gosh, oh my gosh, checking them all out, you know. Yeah. And um, and so, you know, just, just posting the promos so people can see them and the response has just been incredible. And, um, yeah, I think, and then, I think it's smart. Cause like photographers, a lot of times they just kind of feel lost because like, uh, like building this business, it's hard. It's, it's a marathon and, uh, any, any perspective you can get to see what other people are doing. I think that's probably why people are attracted to it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, you know, I think people believe there are some secrets in there, but there's not really, mm. um, the photo editors are just looking, uh, looking at the pictures and they're trying to make a connection. Obviously, um, well-made promos get more attention than really poorly made ones, but it's pretty easy now to, to make a good promo. Um, but you can get an idea and, and I think what's cool about it is I just publish all of them. If, if you send me a promo, um, 
then I'm gonna then I'm gonna photograph it and publish it. So you can get you get kind of an idea of the range of promos that a photo editor sees. And so that was one of the goals with it is just not for me to filter it mm-hmm. and just show the most expensive ones, you know. I mean, I'm intrigued by the postcards yep. uh, many times. And I think the really big flashy promos are, are super hard to pull off because it's hard to have that many photos that are great, you know, with the postcard. Yeah. Um, you know, you can put your best image out there. And they're, and they're very intriguing to me. And, of course, I'll go hit their website and see what else is going on if it's somebody I don't know. So um, it's been a really fun experience. And, again, it's just it's connected me to the photo industry. Um, I'm just I'm tied to it. The mailman can't even believe or the <laughs> mailwoman can't even believe uh, how much mail I get. She was years ago. She was like, what is all this stuff? You know, and it's just, it's pretty I, I, amazing. Rob's got a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I just, I get a lot of mail. Yeah. I'm very popular. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a couple more questions. I'll let you go. Um, yeah. but I was kind of curious to get you like your perspective on like, I guess this like, uh, editorial like magazines and whatnot like where do you see it going because even I know outside magazine which you used to work at now they're I think they're only doing eight issues a year now um, do you still think like making a living as a photographer is like a viable career path these days because it's so it seems in my mind it's like super oversaturated with magazines doing less issues magazines going out of business um, where do you see the future going in terms of like professional photography I guess yeah, that's a tough question. Huh? I know. <laughs> I figured I'd ask you, man. You know, you know, you know everything, right, Rob? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish I did. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, you know, we've all been waiting for the bottom, um, bottom out as far as like magazines, mm-hmm. newspapers, um, photographers, yeah. making money, advertising shoots, that kind of thing. Like, where's the bottom? Yeah. I felt like we hit bottom a few years back and maybe there's another bottom to come you know uh having a smaller number of photographers is not a bad thing if you're one of them yeah i mean you can make a career at it i mean there's i feel like there's always going to be a need for the top you know if you're in the top i don't know 500 Mm -hmm. those guys are always getting work they're always doing shows selling prints i mean that that's not going to change. Um, as far as like the middle class of photography, that's really what's been gutted, Mm -hmm. um, by all these changes. Um, I feel like, you know, the, I don't, you know, I used to give talks about this and one of the big things that I would talk about is this idea of photography and where, your photography and you have something else that you bring to the table. Yeah. And I think that's really where success, a lot of people are finding success. Um, you know, I'm thinking about Jimmy Chin, Do you know, Jimmy Chin. Oh yeah. Dude, this won an Oscar. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I thinking about, you know, he, he's from Jackson hole and I was there when he started his career and he, he was just another climbing photographer, right? Wow. So what did he bring to the table that nobody else had? Well, he was a world-class climber. Yeah. So not only was he a good photographer, he was an amazing climber, one of the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and so his career really skyrocketed because he had that combo. He was able to um, he was able to go on expeditions and be out there in the gnarliest conditions with the most elite athletes and still making pictures. Now, you know, that's, that's a pretty extreme example, but I think it exists in all levels of photography, whether it's access that you have things that only you know about because of your, what you studied in college or maybe a career you had previously before you got into photography. Mm -hmm. There's lots of things that people can bring to photography that only they know about or, or skills that only they have. And I think that's yeah. that's really where the opportunities lie besides, you know, this top, these top tier photographers who are, I think are always going to exist. Um, I think eventually magazines will bottom out mm. and rebound. Yeah. I really do. I mean, you know, 
the people that I worked for in the magazine industry, they started, they had very humble beginnings mm. and then they became these mega money printing things. You know, these magazines were, they would just print money. Um, and these guys became very rich off of it. And, and now they're sort of in this survival mode, but I think there's a lot of opportunities for people to start with the humble beginnings and grow magazines and grow audience or websites or whatever it is. And as they grow, their sort of their need to um, be better than the competition is going to, you know, it's going to lead to better writing and better design and better photography. There's just no other way to differentiate yourself yeah, from think, the competition. Yeah, I think, no I think those like magazines will find new ways to monetize it. And even with photography, I think myself, I've been trying to, you can't look at the photography business on how people used to do it 20 years ago, you know? I think you have to like figure out different ways to market yourself and different ways just to make money through your photography. Maybe it's not all assignment work. Maybe it's like, I don't know, you teach photography lessons or something or you you can create a YouTube page and monetize it that way. I think for me, I've just been trying to forget about how people used to do it and kind of find new ways to adapt to it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I really, you know, I feel like the part of the business that really is dead is the the um, camera operation. Mm. So there's a lot of photographers who were camera operators, you know, and operating cameras was difficult. Yep. I mean, you go back to the beginning, you had to be a chemist mm -hmm. to operate a camera. Yep. Um, and, and only recently, you know, uh, with the, you know, slide film and, um, I mean, those, photo those ski photographers I worked for, you know, uh, they they were – I started working for them before autofocus existed. A great ski photo was a photo that was in focus. Oh, wow. You got somebody skiing at you and you've got, <laughs> you know, big lens and you're pulling focus and um, we get the film back and you'd, you'd set up a trash can next to the light box and, and you'd just start going through the pictures and throwing them in the garbage because – you know, most of them were out of focus because that was a really difficult skill. Yeah. So the the part of photography that's really been devastated is this, you know, being a camera operator. Mm -hmm. um, you got to bring other skills besides operating cameras um, to the game. And um, like you said, there's a, there's a lot of other opportunities out there, including um, teaching people about photography, teaching people how to make great pictures. Mm -hmm. And um, and there's just a lot of consumers who are who are passionate about photography. So I think I think there's a lot of opportunities there. It's not what it was. Yeah. Um, and there are definitely a lot of people who aren't interested in shifting, and so uh, they're not going to be in the photography business. Um, yeah much longer yeah you gotta adapt for sure um but anyways rob uh i guess this is my last question what kind of keeps you excited these days um any goals for what you're working on over at a photofolio or anything you're hoping to work on in the future i guess yeah i mean we always have i always have a huge list of features and ideas and things that i want to do mm. um with the software business yep. and uh, it's just never ending, really. I, 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 I can see working on them for the next 10 or 20 years. Um, I never, ever got to that software project where um, I'm making it easier for photographers to connect with photo editors. I mean, it's funny enough, this Instagram thing seems to be coming close to it because oh, – yeah sort of digitizing everybody's promo. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of an interesting idea, you know, and, and that was, that was one of my goals was like, I can, you know, software can make this so much easier for people, you know, why do you need to send out um, a thousand promos? Uh, you could just send out one, it could be digitized and, yep. and delivered to, you know, a thousand people. But yep. um, that's just something I never have gotten to and i've always wanted to work <laughs> yeah. on but yeah, yeah man uh, you'll get there <laughs> i'll get there but anyways rob i just want to thank you so much man for taking the time to do this and uh more so just everything you've done with the photo editor i know it's helped me like starting out my career a lot of little things just kind of learned from it and i uh, can't thank you enough um but i guess for people listening where's the best place to check out um your work and then everything uh, you're working on at a photo folio i guess 
Yeah, I mean, you can, my blog, of course, is photoeditor.com. And uh, for websites, uh, website software is photofolio.com. And then you can find me on Instagram, a photo editor, and um, I'm on Facebook mm. and Twitter. <laughs> Perfect. Rob's everywhere. Well, I'll link it. And uh, thanks again, Rob. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. So there you have it. That was the Rob Haggard interview. I want to thank Rob so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about everything he's done within photography, being photo editing and starting his popular blog of photoeditor.com, as well as his company, Photofolio, which designs websites for photographers. Um, so definitely go check out Rob's website, photofolio.com. If you're in the market for a new website, great designs, easy to update. Uh, can't recommend it enough, as well as Rob's Instagram at a photo editor um, he's always updating different promos he gets from photographers really interesting to check that out as well um, yeah and as always i'll be having weekly podcasts every monday on itunes soundcloud as well as my website alexgagnephoto.com and on my instagram at alexgagnephoto thanks so much for listening and take care